Money FM 89.3, the best of the afternoon update. Money in the market on Money FM 89.3. Welcome to Money and the Market. I'm Hong Bin Jung. A lot of movement in currencies this week. We've seen the yen's weakness returning as the U.S. dollar once again strengthened. And the euro also fell below parity for the second time. And the Chinese yen slumping to its lowest in nearly two years against the U.S. dollar. And joining us on the phone today to give us more analysis on what's happening is Lim Jun Kit, strategist at Philip Nova. Jun Kit, welcome back to the show. Hi, Hongbin. It feels great to be back here. Hi. Okay, so let's start off with the yen. And it seems like the yen's weakness has returned amid a strong U.S. dollar. And some strategists are saying that the dollar to yen may approach the year high of 139.39. And that's with the markets pricing in the hawkish Powell speech. Do you see the dollar to yen approaching those levels as well? Yes, I think I can agree that the dollar yen has a high chance of revisiting this year's high at 139.39 or even beyond to the psychological level at 140. Mm -hmm. So are you saying that the dollar to yen is back on track for a push toward that closely watched level of 140? Yes, I think it would be. I think it is currently on track, but Mm -hmm. we cannot really predict when this would happen. Mm -hmm. You know, part of the reason that the dollar yen has been rising lately is because uh, markets are pricing in hawkish comments by Mm -hmm. the Fed at the upcoming Jackson Hole Symposium that will be happening from tomorrow to Saturday. So what happens when markets pricing too much of an anticipated event is that there's going to be a risk of, you know, buy the rumour, sell the news kind of situation mm-hmm. where the traders will buy the dollar ahead of the event and sell the dollars when the hawkish comments uh, are finally delivered mm-hmm. as expected. Mm. And some are saying that even if, you know, the yen hits that level, um, they're saying that the yen's retreat is temporary. What, what's your take? I don't think the yen's weakness in this case would be temporary, but Mm -hmm. uh, because it's pretty much based on the macro landscape, you know, like namely the monetary policy divergence we have between the Bank of Japan and the Fed and also the dollar strength, uh, its broad based strength amid the uncertainties on the global economy. Mm. And also in terms of the dollar, how strong can it get if the Fed does not pivot from its hawkish stance? Okay, uh, speaking of the U.S. dollar, I think I'll be giving my response uh, in terms of the U.S. dollar index, uh, which helps us gauge the dollar strength relative to a basket of uh, six major currencies. And as of today, the dollar index is actually almost at its highest level uh, mm-hmm. since September 2002. Uh, currently, it's just slightly below 109. Mm-hmm. And then um, according to our technical analysis on the dollar index weekly chart, we noticed that in February this year, the chart had broken out of a large triangle pattern that had formed since the start of 2017. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what this breakout means is that it gives us a technical target uh, that the index has the potential to rise as high as 112 this year uh, from the current levels between 108 and 109. Mm, okay, okay. And also the euro, as it fell back below parity against the dollar earlier this week. And it's it's it was languishing at five-week lows as well. And that's it comes um, amid concerns over that three-day halt to the European gas supplies, you know, set for later at the end of this month. Mm-hmm. Do you yep. see the weakening of the euro as just temporary or will it continue? 
Um, unfortunately, I don't see the weakening uh, euro as just temporary again, mm. uh, because uh, in fact the bearish momentum uh, for the euro uh, euro dollar pair is still very much in control mm-hmm. as it keeps creating lower lows uh, since the start of 2021. Mm-hmm. The overall team in the forex market now is still uh, very much in favor of the dollar dominance. So two things that are really putting the dollar on the driver's seat. Um, is the relatively healthy U.S. economy, relatively healthy, mm. um, that would allow the Fed to remain hawkish uh, in its mission to bring down inflation. And secondly, also the fear of recession in Europe and globally continues to facilitate heaven flows to the U.S. dollar. So so that's for the dollar. Okay. And in terms of the euro, um, there's really a set of major challenges, right. like the war in Ukraine that, that jacked up uh, food and energy prices, which is hurting the European economy. Mm. And you had also rightly mentioned about the, the halt of the Russian gas exports to uh, Europe that will be taking place later this month. Mm-hmm. Um, for some context, Russia had already reduced the gas supply right. through this pipeline to only about 20% of capacity since last July, uh, since uh, late July. And the supply squeeze came as EU is already scrambling to fill the gas reserves uh, to keep the people warm during the winter. And a gas shortage for the winter would really mean a high inflation and worsen the already imminent recession and therefore exerting a further weakness on the euro. Mm. And so with that energy crisis and the Russian-Ukraine war playing a big part of euro's decline, what could help boost the euro then? I, I think, Hongbin, this is really the, the trillion-dollar question. <laughs> but I'm going to try my best to answer to this. Um, from what we see, the drivers that you mentioned, uh, like the energy crisis and the Russia-Ukraine war, these are the overarching factors mm-hmm. um, that is causing causing the, the euro's weakness. And we can only hope for more weakness, uh, so, sorry, more progress mm-hmm. on the peace agreements between Europe and Russia um, that would include uh, Russia's commitment to fully resume the gas supply to Europe so in the meantime, lifting off some of these uh, price pressures uh, to help the euro. Mm, okay, and let's let's move closer to the region. We also saw the Chinese yuan dropping to its lowest in nearly two years. What's led to this drop? Um, the Chinese yuan uh, suffered pretty badly lately uh, after a series mm. of uh, policy easing by the uh, People's Bank of China, mm. PBOC in that, I would say, desperate attempt to try to resurrect the struggling economy. Mm. Um, Just last week, the PBOC unexpectedly cut the main rate at which it provides short-term liquidity Mm. to banks from uh, from 2.1% to 2%. And at the same time, um, they also reduced its one-year lending facility rate uh, from 2.85% to 2.75%. So that's last week. And this week, again, on Monday, the Mm -hmm. PBOC again, cut its five-year and one-year um, loan prime rate by 15 and five basis points, respectively. So so that's what's been happening recently. And aside from the ongoing zero-COVID policy um, that uh, we are all aware of by now, the property crisis right. in China is also weighing on the economy. As we've heard uh, stories like, you know, many developers have stopped, have stopped building homes mm-hmm. that had already been sold due to financial troubles. Mm. And people are losing confidence in the property market So I would say this latest round of easing by the government is their attempt to try to lower the cost of uh, buying properties in order to stimulate the real estate market in China. So can we expect a further decline in the yuan? Um, I think uh, given the grave situation on persistent on and off lockdowns Mm -hmm. in China and the property crisis, I think it would take um, quite a bit more of easing and support by the Chinese government Mm -hmm. to boost the domestic consumption. And in, in that process, it would likely send the yuan even weaker from current levels.
Mm. Also, you know, in recent decades, a lot of emerging economies have leaned on the yen as an anchor of stability. Um, what does this mean for other currencies in those emerging economies as well then? Um, emerging economies, so I think I can bring an example, which is the Malaysian ringgit. Mm-hmm. I think um, recently we saw, like I think yesterday, Malaysian ringgit dropped to its lowest level mm-hmm. uh, against the US dollar. And I think um, what the weakness in the Chinese economy, I think it brings, it would send shockwave across the emerging markets because uh, China is a large trading partner to many of the countries, mm-hmm. so for example, Malaysia. And then a weakening Chinese economy or, or a weaker Chinese yuan um, is actually going to take a toll on the exports on these countries uh, like Malaysia. Mm-hmm. And so what we see recently is also uh, a drop in demand from China and mm-hmm. we see an uh, impact on Malaysian exports. So therefore, um, it also... Uh, had some negative impact on the Malaysian ringgit. Mm. And speaking of Malaysia's ringgit, you know, it seems to be heading towards levels last seen during the Asian financial crisis. And that's also with oil prices sliding. You just mentioned that, you know, the Chinese yuan dropping is also affecting the ringgit's decline. Are there any other factors uh, driving the ringgit lower? Yes, definitely. I think uh, one of the largest culprit uh, behind the ringgit's uh, recent weakness mm. is the, the strengthening US dollar. Okay, mm. uh, and this also apl- is, it's applicable throughout uh, all the emerging market currencies as well. Mm-hmm. Because you know, as the saying goes, when the US sneezes, uh, the rest of the world would, would catch a cold. So I think the ongoing tightening uh, by the US Federal Reserve um, is also another major factor at play uh, that's driving the ringgit to its weak point at the current stage. Okay. Thank you, Junkit. Thank you so much Thank for joining much. us. Thank you very much. Thank you. We've been speaking with Lim Junkit, strategist at Philip Nova. Stay with Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.